Hey, thank you for listening in to Risky Benefits, a podcast that informs you on all things benefits. We've got a saying around here, benefits isn't your main business, it's ours. Hey everyone, and welcome to Risky Benefits. Today we're going to start by talking with Vicki Whaley, and we're going to talk about healthcare basics. Uh, Vicki is the Vice President of Service at FBMC, Benefits Management Company, um, and we've got a couple things we want to do on the podcast today. We want to talk about some common terms, phrases that you hear within the healthcare industry, just to promote a little bit more awareness, uh, to help people become more educated consumers within the process so that they can make better decisions, so that they can help out their family members who may be selecting new plans this year, uh, or just be knowledgeable, right? Because then the more education you have, the more impactful you can be to helping us with the system. Um, so yeah, we're gonna dive into that. Uh, but before we do, uh, what I'd like to do is introduce Vicky and just get to know Vicky a little bit better. So Vicky, how you doing? I'm good, Rick. Thanks for having me today. Yes, of course, and, and we're really glad to have you on the show. If you don't mind, Vicky, maybe just talk to everybody a little bit about who you are. Uh, tell us about your family and what you do and have done for a living and kind of what you do here at FBMC. Awesome. Well, you know, I've spent about 20 years in the healthcare business, starting off uh, as an HR director and manager, doing everything from, you know, for those small employers out there, you'll recognize this. You do a little bit of HR, a little bit of finance, a little bit of benefits, a little bit of everything. And, you know, I did that for a while and decided somehow I stumbled into employee benefits about 15 years ago, and it was something I had a passion for, so I decided to stick with it and have loved almost every day of it. <laughs> now, Vicki, I, I hear that you're a little bit of a road warrior. Yeah, a little bit. Is that accurate? A so so bit. talk to me. You have a, a husband. You have a daughter. I do. You my... have... What else? Yeah, my daughter's 16, um, so we are mad on the road right now and my son is 20 he's in college and you know I could not be more proud of my family or the way that they support me and my dreams and my ambitions in life because I can tell you there's no way to better to succeed in life than to have the support of your family and those that you care the most about so real quick let's just talk about your ambitions you know you brought that up and I guess it's important to state for the purposes of what you do for a living within the healthcare space what really are those ambitions as it relates to healthcare your clients the community and, and how you serve as a member of this community Absolutely. So I feel like the biggest contribution any of us have in, in, you know, in our community is really to drive one another to, to be healthy and to, whether that health is in a physical way or in a mental way, really support one another. You know, when I work with the teams here at FBMC, that's, that's really my goal to provide leadership to the team in a way that helps them identify innovative type solutions for our employers and for their employees uh, because health insurance is a risk and in order to to really drive uh, solutions for that it, it requires a team effort and we really have done a good job accomplishing that here you know we strive to to achieve that with our clients so that they can see the results of what our hard work is for them which really has has been shown because our clients you know they they give us a strong client satisfaction rating you know our our net promoter score here at FBMC is an 86% which is you know unheard of here in the industry our industry standard standard is about 20 to 30 percent and we're running at 86 percent and i and i have to kind of say we're even better than chick-fil-a so <laughs> i mean you know as a company we, we definitely do well to service but i'm not gonna lie those chicken sandwiches are, are good so. <laughs> unless you're popeyes <laughs> there, there you have it so so you, you mentioned a term leadership and today we're gonna exhibit some leadership through education 
uh, I think what we want to do is just to walk our, our listeners through kind of what this conversation is going to look like over over the next little bit of time here. Um, we'll start by kind of addressing what we've all heard about, the rising cost of healthcare. What is that? How is it happening? Um, common terms or phrases you've heard like premiums, deductibles, coinsurance, what on earth is that? Um, you hear employers or maybe your employer uh, or people talk about plan types, high deductible health plans, co-pays, and, and, and all of these terms some people are comfortable with, and you know what, some people aren't. So we're gonna talk about those things. We'll briefly talk about funding models, which already sounds crazy, so I'm gonna hold <laughs> off on that. Uh, we'll talk about wellness. Uh, we'll talk about kind of employee ownership and engagement within our plans and, and how we can impact our plans in a positive way. Uh, and then we'll probably move on just to recap some basic terms and end the podcast. Uh, so I just want to set that up so everyone knows a little bit further or more in depth what we're getting ready to get into. Um, yeah, and so to that end, let's start with the rising cost of healthcare. This is something that if you're an employee, if you're an employer, you've probably encountered either your premiums going up from one year to the next, going home to your spouse or significant other and saying, hey, uh, we lost a little bit of money out of our paycheck because our, our insurance just went up, right? Or if you're an employer, you probably had a carrier and or a consultant sit down with you and say, hey, uh, just want to let you know that your premiums are going up and you're probably sitting there wondering how that impacts your budget. Well, let's talk about it. When we talk about the rising cost of health care, why is that happening, Vicki? Well, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of contributors to why health care costs are going up. You know, you have your you know, you, everybody has some portion of responsibility with that. Everybody from the bukas of the world, your agents out there that are selling the insurance. So wait a minute, the mm -hmm. bukas? Yeah, so buka is a common term used in our industry, and what it stands for is Blues, United, Cigna, Aetna, and Humana. Okay. And those are basically your main carriers, um, your insurers, so to speak, of health insurance out there. Uh, you know, I, again, I think that we, we, one of the things our industry loves, by the way, are a lot of acronyms. We fit in as many acronyms as is humanly possible in any one industry. And buka is one of the most common ones that we hear when you're trying to refer back to your insurance carrier. You know, but like I said, so your insurance carriers, your agents, the government, uh, the providers, so your doctors, your hospitals, and even your prescription drug companies, you know, but one of the main Per, one of the main responsible parties that often gets forgotten about is the employee themselves, the consumer of the healthcare at the end of the day. Uh, you know, we've, yeah, the, comp, the system itself is complicated, but at the end of the day, insurance, health insurance is not as complicated as we've made it out to be. You know, uh, I tell employees on the, you know, on the regular when we're meeting with them at, at meetings, you know, hey, don't overcomplicate this. It's, it's no different than your car insurance, right? So in your car insurance, you're covering the risk of having to replace your car. And in doing that, you have a deductible that you have to meet. And if you, you know, lower your deductible, then your premiums are gonna go up. If you increase your deductible, then your premium goes down. And if you are one of those awful drivers that we see in Tallahassee all the time, or maybe if you're down in Miami once in a while, then, you know, the cost of, of your car insurance goes up because you're using it a lot. So the more you use it, the more expensive it can become. So if I'm, kind of repeating back some of what I heard, we use some terms that we haven't defined yet, right? Which we will define. So if you're the listener and you're, you heard the word deductible and you're like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> hold on a second. Uh, we're going to get there. Um, but to really hone in on the overall rising cost of healthcare, I mean, at the end of the day, Vicki, it's kind of like you said about cars, right? The more claims you have and the higher dollar value associated with those claims, 
one would expect that your premiums at a place of employment are going to go up. Is that accurate? That would be accurate, yeah. So, I mean, in a nutshell, can we say that, generally speaking, the costs are rising, A, because there are different parties involved, which you named a lot of the different carriers, you named some of the different party uh, party members. Um, you've got these different people within the program that have fixed costs, things that you know you have to pay for, but then you have these variable costs that you're not really sure exactly what they're going to be, and those are really your claims. Right. And that is what happens when an employer goes to, say, a doctor, they incur a claim, and then that claim gets paid by the insurance carrier. When you add all of those expenses up, that's what contributes ultimately to the rising cost of health care. Is, is that an accurate way to state it? Absolutely. That's exactly what happens. Okay. So now that we kind of set that baseline, you, you mentioned something. You said deductible. So what I want to do is, is just outline some of these phrases and terms we hear, like premiums, deductibles, coinsurance. What is that? Right. So <clears throat> premiums a pretty standard term. It's the it's the amount that you pay in order to have insurance coverage. Okay. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Deductible is, you know, not every plan has a deductible, but the plans that have deductibles, typically what they what that is is that's the amount of insurance that or the amount of out of pocket expense that you have to pay before the insurance company is going to start paying any portion of it. What, why, why? Why would somebody add that to a plan? So the most common reason for adding a deductible is to put more responsibility onto the member who's using the plan and okay. ultimately that can drive down your premium. It's kind of like I was saying with the car insurance, the lower the deductible, the higher the the higher the premium and vice versa. So some employers, you know, high deductible health plans became very common a few years ago in the industry and they became common because it was a, a way to drive costs more to the employee and to make the employee more responsible or you'll hear this term a lot, being a better consumer of health insurance. You know, I, I find it uh, interesting that one of the stats that's out there now says that the average employee will spend three hours researching their next TV and they'll spend less than an hour researching their next doctor to perform their surgery. Or they get the majority of their uh, prescription drug information from Cindy Lauper on those amazing commercials that you okay. see on TV. Okay, all right. So in essence, an employer could work with a consultant and or a carrier to modify what their deductibles are to help create some essentially consequences that help drive people to engage further to better understand how much is being spent, which should make them use it only when they really need it. Exactly. And by doing that, it kind of tries to hold the cost of the plan down. Is that Exactly. Okay. Uh, one of the things, though, that we're seeing in a lot of the articles now is that, you know, the high deductible health plans came out with that purpose in mind, making consumers be better consumers of health care, thus thinking that that would drive down claim expenses because then they felt like if you had ownership in something, you would actually do your research. And what actually turned out to happen was that employees stopped going to the doctor because okay. now they had these big dollar amounts, these big deductibles to meet. Um, the average high deductible health plan is a $2,500 deductible. So an employee has to pay the $2,500 before the insurance ever kicks in, you know, any of their portion of it. And for some employees, when most employees out there nowadays don't even keep a $1,000 emergency fund, that can be catastrophic to them. So instead of using the insurance, they stop using it altogether. Okay. So important to know if you're a consumer out there and your employer has a high deductible health plan, 
some questions you might want to ask, Vicki. What, what, what questions might a consumer want to ask? Well, one of the first questions is, and, and this was really driven by healthcare reform, was, you know, a lot of your wellness dollars now or a lot of your wellness expenses are covered at 100% um, even before your deductible. So knowing that you can at least go to your PCP for that annual visit, a lot of employees don't understand why their employer is driving them to do these health risk assessments or, you know, these physicals once a year. And the main driver for why an employee would do that is so that they're keeping an eye on any health risks that they may have. You know, a cancer is unavoidable in a lot of cases. Detection is not. So if I can detect a cancer early on, um, or, an, or a member can detect cancer early on, then what that means is the cost to treat them and their outcome is gonna be much better than if they waited and waited and waited for years to ever be seen about something, and then now all of a sudden they're in a very serious situation. That makes a lot of sense. You know, another basic question, and for the listeners out there, probably laugh, but this is the way my brain thinks is, you know, what's the deductible? Like that, that's where I start is how much, how much do I have to pay out of pocket, right? I mean, that's sure. a really big question to ask. And, and one thing that's really important to under, understand, and I'll tell you why, because if you go into a high deductible plan scenario and your premium decreases, you, you might want to consider, okay, if my premium goes down, I'm going to save the difference between what I paid last year and this year, just in case I need that money to pay my deductible. So that's something you might want to think about if you're listening in the car and this is something that you know you're going into. Think through some of those things. Um, okay, Absolutely. so w- let's talk about some other kind of plans. Wait, you hear this this term coinsurance. Mm-hmm. What, what is coinsurance? So typically after your deductible is met, the next phase of that is what they call a cost sharing or coinsurance arrangement. So basically once you meet your portion of the deductible, now the insurance company says, hey, I'll split the next portion of this expense with you again in an effort to try to keep premiums down. And so the coinsurance is that sharing that you have with the insurance carrier uh, before you've met your responsibility and the insurance carrier pays the rest of it. So the more as an em- as an employer or the more as an employee that I'm sharing with the insurance company, the lower I should expect essentially my premium to be. Absolutely. Okay, so not all plans have deductibles, not all plans have coinsurance. Um, so in essence, when you hear somebody say, hey, I have a really rich benefits plan, what they're basically telling you is is they're not having to spend that much money out of pocket, one, and two, the plan covers a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of plans now cover a lot of stuff, but I think more what they're driving to is the fact that they have a set amount that they pay for any um, any claim that they may have. So if I go into the doctor, I know I have a $25 co-payment. Um, co-payment is really the term that we use for that. It just means that once that amount is paid, then you know your your responsibility is done and the insurance carrier really pays the rest of it. Uh, the, the misleading part about a co-payment is, uh, and this really drove to the need for the high deductible health plans, employees really started using co-pays without understanding what the cost was for that service. And okay. so when you have a co-payment for a service like an MRI, and you have a doctor that's asking you for an MRI on, you know, a quarterly basis. Well, in your head, you're thinking, oh, well, this only costs me, you know, $100 a quarter. It's only $400 a year. Why are my premiums going up? But what you don't understand is the cost of that MRI. You know, the, the remaining balance is being paid either by the insurance company or the employer. And, you know, that remaining cost could be in the thousands of dollars. You know, you could be paying $5,000 or $2,000 depending on which MRI center you went to. So let me, let me recap this. Irrespective of what the, the, the procedure is, let's just say it's a knee replacement. 
the cost from one facility to another facility could be significant. It could be, say, $80,000 versus $20,000 from one facility to the next. As a consumer, I might not know that because the copay is whatever it is. Let's just call it 100 bucks. And so I go to facility A, they say it's 100 bucks. I go to facility B, they say it's 100 bucks. That's the only thing I'm spending in certain scenarios. And so I don't realize that I just cost my employer a significant more amount of money by going to facility B versus facility A. And at the end of the year, when when the, all the costs come in, the costs are so much higher because of some of those types of things that our premiums are going up and I didn't even know that I contributed to it. Right. Well, and I think employees stopped asking the question when co-payments came in. And so the best way to really get to that root cause or that root cost, I should say, um, you have a couple of options. You can outright ask the provider, hey, how much does this cost without insurance? And they'll give you a more um, baseline number to go from. Some providers are not willing to share that information. And if they're not, I usually would say run because um, there's a reason they're not sharing that information. But in addition to that, there most of the, you know, we've mentioned the BUCAs earlier, most of the BUCAs give you options to be able to research that information. And I would say, you know, instead of spending three hours researching your TV, spend an hour or two really diving into where you're going to have a procedure done, not just in the cost, but also in whether or not they do a good job performing that Quality. procedure. Right. Quality. Okay. Um, so interesting stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's really important for our consumers to, to just better understand this so that they know how they contribute or don't to certain components of health plan costs and the rising cost of health care. Um, so we talked about some of those basics there. Uh, let's talk about funding models. Now, if you're an employee or you're working somewhere and you're sitting here listening to this, you're like, funding models, what on earth are, are they talking about? Well, let me kind of create kind of a, a frame of reference here. When I talk about funding models, I'm talking about something that your employer or as an employer, you would assess and say, do I want a funding model of A or B for our health plan? Uh, so Vicki, talk to us. What are the different funding models are out there? Right. And, you know, what's interesting is right now employers have a multitude of funding models that they can choose from. Uh, It kind of goes from a sliding scale, everything from what we call fully insured to self-funded. Uh, in the fully insured model, uh, really the BUCA or the carrier is taking a lot of the risk, but they're also taking some of the reward, meaning an employer pays their premium. Uh, if the claims exceed the premium, then the carrier takes, you know, to pays that difference. If the claims are better than what the premium collection was, then the carrier also reaps that reward from that. And sometimes it's seen in your next year renewal and sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes they're still rating your, your increase up in that second year. And so really employers have less control in a fully insured model. It's really, we, we equate it here at FBMC to renting a house. Okay. Right? Like it's yeah. like you have a landlord and the, if the rent goes up, the rent goes up and you don't have any control over it. Okay. Um, well, talk to me then. What is level funded? So level funding is kind of the what we call the baby step to self-funding. It really, it's kind of a shared risk between the employer and the carrier. Uh, the carrier gives a little bit more control to the employer. The employer gets a little more benefit from those years when you're saving money, but they also have some cap in their risk for those years that you have bad years in claims. You know, you have some catastrophic, you know, preemie baby or cancer, cancer um, diagnosis that you're trying to take care of. But really where employers have the most control and really can impact the lives of their employees is in that self-funded model. 
you know, so even within self-funding, you have everything from what we call the ASO model, which means you're kind of sharing some responsibility still with that carrier all the way through to full self-fund or yeah, full self-funding. And there's a whole gamut of solutions in there. But one of the things that I tell employers when I meet with them is there's no one-stop solution. As, as the healthcare industry keeps trying to say, you know, well, this is the solution for the future, I remind them that every employer is different. You know, okay. just like every employee is different. Your needs are going to vary um, based on where you live and based on what's available to you. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess one of the questions that I would ask if, if I were one of our listeners and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'd say, okay, well, Vicki, tell me. Why might my employer want to be self-funded? Sure. So one of the one of the primary reasons an employer wants to self-fund is to be able to to re- recoup the savings that they experience whenever they are really investing in their employees. Uh, wellness programs have become really popular in our industry now, and you know those wellness programs. In a fully insured model, you might see some premium savings, but in a self-funded model, you're definitely going to see those premium savings. And, you know, in that self-funded model, the employer can can truly develop a solution that's going to take care of the whole employee. So they save so on real the... quick, real mm-hmm. quick, sorry. So if I am in a self-funded health plan, my employer gets all the people in the plan to be super healthy. Mm-hmm. And because we're super healthy, we have lower claims costs. You're basically saying that the employer is going to not spend as much in the future so the premiums shouldn't go up and whatever the savings are on the plan what happens to them so those savings get reinvested back into the plan so you can either you know maintain a low premium for a long period of time you can increase benefits uh, there's a lot of options with that money once it becomes available uh, you know to help an employee really really come up with the best solution for their long-term care. And so what happens to those extra funds if I'm in a fully insured plan? In a fully insured plan, all those extra funds go right back into the carrier. Got it. Okay, so that's why, as an employer, I might choose to go in that direction. Absolutely. Um, well, you know what? Some people like to rent. Some people like to own. Uh, kind of to Vicki's point, there's a model for, for everybody based on the scenario that they're in. Um, but if I'm an employee and I'm listening to this podcast... I'm kind of thinking, yeah, that's great. That's important to the employer. I feel a little bit better because I understand it. But as an employee, what ownership do I have within this process, whether it's fully insured or self-funded? How do I impact the plan? Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of times employees really underestimate, you know, they think because it's a group plan that they can kind of treat the group plan any way they want. Uh, I like to share this one story. I met with an employee one time and and she told me, she goes, she goes, you know, my premiums are going up. And so, you know what, I'm going to get the best out of this plan and I'm going to use it. And I said, well, you know, I don't understand what you mean. You told me you're a fairly healthy person. And she said, well, I am healthy, but if I have to pay this premium, I'm going to go to the doctor every single month. And I just kind of, <laughs> <Use it. laughs> yeah, I just kind of was like, well, then we clearly need to kind of go back to healthcare 101 because you're not understanding that the more you use it, the more you're, you're really going to be driving those, those premiums up. Now, when somebody's sick, they need the health care, right? right? But the, the real goal and the way that employees can contribute to their individual premiums is a couple of ways. You know, be a good consumer. You know, don't go in and just pay your copay. Understand what the cost is behind that copayment. You know, when you're researching hospitals, make sure you look for a hospital with a good outcome. That's not always going to be the cheapest option, but in the long term, it saves a lot of money. Okay. You know, every employee nowadays, they get what they call an explanation of benefits. 
And I can promise you, having met with employers and employees over the last 20 years, most employees could not even tell you where to find their explanation of benefits, but a lot of information can be derived from that, including how much the health insurance had to pay on your behalf. And sometimes you can even find where, you know, unbeknownst to the healthcare company, because, hey, guess what? They weren't sitting in the doctor's office with you. Uh, you're able to see that you got charged for something that did not get, that did not happen. You know, okay. there's a thousands, tens of thousands of um, insurance codes out there that these providers are filing to the insurance company. And, you know, not necessarily for any particular reason other than just error once in a while. You know, sometimes things get charged that didn't actually happen. Um, And so as a good consumer, you're actually looking at those explanation of benefits to go, hey, does this make sense? Does it not? And if it doesn't, actually picking up the phone and calling the, you know, calling the provider and going, hey, I saw this and you're charging my employer, so I'd like you to fix it, you know. So I don't know if this is a generational thing, but I'm going to say it because I find it I find it actually kind of funny. <laughs> any, any of you listeners out there, and you know what I'm talking about, when you go to dinner and you sit down and your father-in-law or one of your family members is there and that receipt comes onto the table, I've seen a lot of younger generations, and I will include myself in this, who just kind of pay the bill, and it's like, okay, we're good to go, let's move on. Meanwhile, you know, if I use my father-in-law as an example, I kid you not, he is literally pulling out that receipt and going through it line by line by line. He's like, oh, excuse me, sir, I didn't actually buy this Diet Coke, um, so I'm going to need you to take this back. And, and you know, I, it's funny because if you think about that, it's really the same concept of what you're describing. You're basically saying, hey, look, you just got a bill, and it's a large, significant bill. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, just look at it and make sure that it's accurate. And don't be afraid to go back and say, no, it's not accurate, and test the system in that way because that's a part of being an active consumer. Absolutely. And hey, I know my birthday's tomorrow, but you don't have to call me old over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see what I had. How I, uh, no, no, no I, I'll let you off the hook. Uh, but you're apologies. absolutely right. So consumers, you know, I, I find it very interesting. I, I did a, a research study one time where I watched a 30-minute TV show. And in that 30-minute TV show, there were over 10 commercials on different prescription drugs. And I, you know, me being the little bit of a nerd that I am, I decided to do a little research on each one of them using the GoodRx app. And I, and every single one of them that were advertised were over $1,000 a piece per, per, per pill. And not one of them were approved by the FDA for what they were being advertised for. So really being a good consumer and using the resources you have at your fingertips is important. So you, you mentioned something, the GoodRx app, and I'm sure there's many more like that. Absolutely. And the moral of the story is, is there are a lot of different resources that are out there to help you be a better consumer. If any of you out there listening to this are saying, that's awesome, I'd like to know more about them, then reach out to us here at FBMC because we'll help you with that. You can go to our website. Uh, you can look up our contact information, and any one of our experts will reach out and assist you, assist your family and your your different employees or your place of employment with, with answering some of these basic questions. Um, obviously, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to all you listeners that are out there. Um, and yeah, so that's basically our recapping and our, and our, our discussing of, of some of the basic terms in the healthcare industry and how you as a consumer can, can make a difference and be a part of the program. Um, and you know what? I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's important for everyone to realize that you make an impact in what that overall premium is going to be. Uh, so use the knowledge that you've got and help others communicate to others and let's make the system better. Uh, 
Yeah. So thank you. Thanks again, Vicky, for coming on today. Really appreciated it. Absolutely. I do have to send a quick shout out to David Holloway Boyd, our co-producer. He's getting married this weekend. Congratulations, David. We're super excited for you. Congratulations. That is pretty awesome news. Um, so hey, listeners, no babies anytime soon, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right on. So listeners out there, uh, be on the lookout for our next podcast where we're going to discuss an innovative employer solution, uh, and it's known as Captives. Thank you for listening to Risky Benefits. If you're interested in learning more, please visit www.fbmc.com. We hope you'll join us next time on Risky Benefits.